So it's a pleasure to um, have the opportunity to bring um, God's word uh, to you today. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, it was uh, we were we were stoked when we um, took that left turn in Lamar and started heading this way and driving through um, the the Arkansas Valley and um, seeing all of its um, beauty. And um, we're just uh, we're just stoked to be here and. Um, I'm I'm glad that uh, we were able to to keep it running even though we had a little two year uh, break in the in the middle of things. So um, we're we're going to be in Exodus 18. If you have your Bible and you'd like to like to turn there, while you're turning there, I wanted to uh, share a story with you from my college days. Um, so I, I was a, a music major. Um, and a, uh, I did a, a double major in music and English. Um, basically what happened is I got through about half, half of my music education degree and decided uh, being a band director does not sound so hot. So I think uh, I'd rather do something else. But I had enough of the music degree that my dad was like, um, so we're going to like pay for all of that and you're not going to use it at all like let's let's see if we can do something different so we threw in a English education major um in there and so I so once when I made that switch I had to um my science credits changed up a little bit so I had to take a couple physics classes and with those physics classes I had to take a class called conceptual physics that was basically um a lab class where we would do different experiments and they would they would sort of teach us about physics through doing the experiments. So I decided to take that in a summer session. And so um, I uh, show up to class on the, the first day, not real happy probably that I'm giving up some of my summer time to um, conceptual physics. Um, so, and I roll up and I have a seat and I'm kind of waiting and waiting and waiting and I'm the only student. I'm the only, only person there. So if, if you have any um, uh, college experience or any uh, family that have, you, you, you may know that um, when there's only one student in the class, usually the class doesn't make. Usually they send you home because th the university isn't going to make enough money to pay the teaching assistant or whoever um, off of my tuition that we had paid for four years at that point. Um, and so they, they usually cancel the class and make you take it a different time. Well, it just so happened that I had a grad student that was teaching it that was going to be there anyway, and so they let the class make. So I basically had a class, but I just, I, it was just me and the teacher. So we're going through, we're, you know, doing all these experiments. I, I'm terrible at physics, and so I, it was, a, it was, it was a fun experience because Dominic, my um, grad assistant teacher, was uh, a cool person. But other than that, I'd, I'd you know, barely kind of scraped through. Well, as that relationship began to build, I, I had this weird um, feeling, um, and, and I felt like God was telling me just as clear as day that I needed to bring Dominic a Bible. Um, and it, w and it was just one of those odd, like, it, you just, you just know it's the, you just know it's the right thing. Um, but I didn't want to do it, <laughs> um, because, you know, this is the, this is the science department at a state university. Um, they're, they're not like real, real cool with Jesus, you know, uh, most of them at least. And, um, they're not real cool with the Bible. They, they probably think that it's, um, this, archaic, useless uh, doorstop, you know, and so I'm like, gosh, I, 
And so I had some Bibles left over. We had just done uh, graduation Sunday with our seniors, and so I had, I had a Bible that I could take, and I just was really wrestling, and um, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me let go of it, and so I said, okay, okay, I'll do it. So I, I think I was up there. I had already done my final and everything, and I really didn't know that there was going to be any hope of seeing him again. Um, and sure enough, I, I didn't see him. I, I went up to his office and knocked on the door, and this um, other grad assistant came and um, said, hey, can I help you? And I, I said, well, I, I, I wanted to give Dominic this, this Bible. <laughs> he looked at me and was like, okay. You know, got the Bible and um, put it on Dominic's desk, and I said thanks and left. And Well, um, I, I can't remember if it was a week later. Some, sometime later, I got an email from Dominic, and I, I want to read, read you part of what he said. Um, he said, uh, I, I hope I find you well. Thank you very much for the wonderful gift you left on my desk in our office. That was a big surprise. Apparently, I had been thinking of buying a Bible a few days before you gave it to me. The Lord works in amazing ways. Be assured that the Bible will be put to good use. I've already started reading it. What? What? You know, like, isn't that amazing? And turns out after, after visiting with him, um, I'm, pretty, I'm trying to remember, I was trying to remember this morning, I, I think he's from Nigeria, um, and so he, he was a believer already, but he, can't, he didn't have a Bible, um, and, uh, and he, you know, was very far away from home and wasn't, you know, sure, and so he, so he had basically been thinking about, he didn't say praying, but maybe language, I, I don't know, um, he at least was thinking it, and God knows his thoughts, and, um, and so it, it's, it, it was just wild of me to, to think about, wild to me to think about, okay, um, God knew that he was thinking he needed this, um, probably because the Holy Spirit was encouraging him to get back into the Word after coming um, over to the States, and then sets me up to go to this class by myself with him, which is something that doesn't normally happen in the university context, and then tells me to, like, you, you just, you see all that put together? Like, God is incredible, and he just does wild and amazing things, and and I tell you that story to just as an illustration of how um, God works in these unexpected ways and through um, through people that we would least expect sometimes. And I think that really applies to the text that we're going to read and, and study together. So if you'd allowed me to, I'd, I'd like to pray um, and, and ask God to um, uh, help me and help uh, uh, help all of us to uh, be faithful to his word, and then we'll we'll jump in. God, Thank you again for the opportunity to study your word um, with these incredible people, or not as two churches, but as one church. Um, uh, under you, Jesus, and Lord, I pray that your spirit would be with us, that you would um, speak in powerful ways, uh, not because of anything that I bring to the table, but Lord, Holy Spirit, because of your power um, and your desire to see us grow in your kingdom uh, and to grow and, and to be a part of what you're doing. Lord, we love you. We praise you in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, let's take a take a look at it. We're going to start. We're going to read the whole chapter, Exodus eighteen one through twenty seven. We'll stop along the way um, and kind of talk about a few things as we go, and then we'll see if we can um, uh, apply it after that. So it begins. Uh, Moses's father in law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, 
Uh, we're not sure. The text isn't clear if he's a priest of Yahweh or a priest uh, of foreign you know, pagan gods. Um, me personally, I tend to kind of lean into probably the, the pagan side of things, but he's going to do some things here in a little bit that could be um, that he um, is a Yahweh worshiper or maybe worships multiple gods. We're not, we're not really sure here, but uh, that's kind of a, a, a key point that will come up here in a little bit. Uh, hear about it, heard about everything. So uh, Moses' father-in-law heard about everything that God had done for Moses and for God's people, Israel, when the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. So let's pause real quick. Let's talk about everything. that That's a loaded statement right there. There's a whole lot. There's 17 chapters worth of what God had done um, with Moses. And so, so we find out in uh, sort of the first couple of chapters, uh, Moses uh, is uh, taken out of the river. He, he's raised in Pharaoh's household. And um, then through a bunch of circumstances, he's exiled, right? And so he, he leaves, and that's where, actually, he meets um, Jethro. He meets his father-in-law. So he's, he's out there, and he's at a well. And um, Jethro's daughters come to, uh, to, to water the flocks. And the, the, um, there were other shepherds there that were keeping them from watering the flocks. And so Moses helped uh, fix that situation, made sure that the... Uh, the flocks were watered and all those things, and then um, that's whenever they met. Uh, they they met together, and uh, Moses married Zipporah, who we're going to meet in just a second. So but that's uh, there in the Midian area is where and at the mount that um, we eventually that Moses eventually gets the law from. It's out there that uh, Moses has the burning bush experience, right? where he sees Yahweh is told to take off his shoes, his holy ground. And um, he said, hey, I've heard the cries of my people, um, that they are being oppressed by uh, Egypt, and it's time for them to get out of there, and I'm going to do it through you. And Moses is like, ah, I can't talk. <laughs> uh, and, he, and so he, he's trying to push it off, and he's like, no, 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 not me, not me, not me. And um, Yahweh, you know, God keeps saying, yes, it, it is you, and okay, you can't talk, all right, I'll, I'll provide you someone to help you with that, and so he, he makes the way, so eventually Moses goes back to Egypt, um, and, it, and he goes to Pharaoh and, and calls them out and says, um, hey, my people need to be, um, w- need to go and worship, and that's when the ten plagues happen, um, and God really shows out and, and um, shows that he is more powerful than any God that we could ever imagine up. And uh, really does some incredible things. And eventually, um, the Israelites are allowed to leave, right? And that's when the Passover is made. Um, so they go, and they, Pharaoh changes his mind, and he begins to chase after them. And they're at the Red Sea. God, uh, through Moses, parts the Red Sea. They go through, and they get into the wilderness. And then when they're, they're in the wilderness, um, they're, they're going around, and they grumble and um, you know, are, are complaining to God about things, and, um, and then God provides. They grumble, God, God provides. It's just this kind of, this, this cycle that happens, and that kind of gets us all the way to where we are today. So, so Exodus 18 is this kind of transitional chapter between 1 through 17 and the rest um, whenever God delivers the law to Moses. So it's, it's, a, it's something that sort of has both, both of those times in mind, that deliverance, uh, but also when God is setting up his people and um, giving them uh, instruction and direction and in, in how to be 
his people. So all of that that I just told you, all of those miracles, all of the, the, the plagues, the allowing um, Israel through um, the Red Sea, uh, providing for them in the wilderness, even though they were complaining, all of that stuff, that's what Jethro heard. And so he's like, okay, it's time to go, it's time to go meet Moses in the wilderness. So verse 2, I promise we'll go a little bit faster than that. Um, now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken in Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back um, because Moses knew everything that was going to go on. And so Zipporah and the kids stayed with um, her father, along with her two sons, one of whom was named Gershom because Moses had said, I have been a resident alien in a foreign land, and the other, Eliezer, because he had said, the God of my father was my helper and rescued me from Pharaoh's sword. Now Moses' father-in-law Jethro, along with Moses' wife and sons, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped at the mountain of God, Mount Horeb. And he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. It was formal greeting, uh, what, that, what that is, and acknowledgement of um, eldership and things like that, or, or someone who is older. Um, they asked each other uh, how they had been and went into the tent. And then Moses recounted again, recounted to his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardships that confronted them on the way and how the Lord rescued them. So again, Moses is coming and, and saying, let me tell you, let me tell you what God's... Can you, you know, I sometimes... We, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't contextualize too much, right, the, the Word of God, because sometimes we can make it say things that it doesn't say. But I just, like, just want to think about and imagine that conversation in the tent. Can you imagine if you experienced all those things, the, the hand of God providing over and over and over in such outrageously, outrageously miraculous ways, and Moses sitting there telling that story to Jethro, like, you have got you have got to hear this story. This is incredible. This is amazing. Let me, you know, whenever whenever I put the staff down and then this wind came and it just blew the waters out. Just this this incredible storytelling. Now, let's pause for just a second. Yes, maybe we haven't seen waters split, but those of you who have put your faith in Jesus, you have been saved from death to life. You have been given, you have been, um, you have been bought into a kingdom that is eternal. You have been allowed to work in an eternal kingdom. Like, I don't know about y'all, but I, I think about that and I go, oh, I don't, I don't deserve to work and be a part of any kingdom. But I, but I get to be a part of an eternal one. One that we, that we sang about in that last song. There, there will be no, no tears, no sin, no pain. Like, I get, to, I get to be a part of inviting other people into that kingdom. Like, we can be, we can be, yes, we, may, we maybe didn't see locusts come and, and cover an entire nation, but we have been bought into an eternal kingdom by the blood of Christ. We, we serve a risen Savior who is still risen. Like, that, those, those are stories worth telling. And we can, and, 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 um, just because maybe they have grown um, familiar to us, uh, I hope that I hope that Moses, eighty years removed or forty years removed from um, the 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 Red Sea experience, I I bet you I, I'd be willing to guess that e- 
even then, um, it was still amazing to him. And our salvation, uh, hopefully, should be that, should be that to us as well. Let's keep reading. Uh, so Moses recounts all this, verse 9. Jethro rejoiced over all the good things the Lord had done for Israel when he rescued them from the power of the Egyptians. Blessed be the Lord, Jethro exclaimed, who rescued you from the power of Egypt and from the power of Pharaoh. He has rescued the people from under the power of Egypt. Now, I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because he did wonders when the Egyptians acted arrogantly against Israel. So Jethro, he's just looking at the evidence. He's saying, okay, if God did all that, nobody can hold a candle to him. Nobody that I know of can hold a candle to Yahweh. Nobody, nobody saves like that that I know of. And so he's worshiping, and he is, he's led to worship just by hearing what God has done. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in God's presence. So he brought a burnt offering, which is uh, an offering that you get, and the whole thing is burnt up. And I, the, the kind of ancient idea is that the gift, all of it, ascends in the smoke. And all of it sort of ascends. Into, so it's, this, it's a whole gift of saying, God, this is all yours. But then sometimes they would do offerings, which is the, the rest of it, sacrifices, where um, portions of it would be, would be offered up. But then they would have a meal together. And they would commune together and, and remember and recount. But it is a meal sort of motivated by worship motivated by what God had done and motivated by um, the, the story of God's salvation. So that, that's what's going on here. So Jethro uh, provides the burnt offerings and sacrifices so that they can worship the Lord. All right, so here's the turning point. Here's kind of where, here's where things get interesting. The next day, actually, it's already been interesting, but it's still, still good stuff. Verse 13, the next day Moses sat down to judge the people, and they stood around Moses from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw everything he was doing for them, he asked, what is this you're doing for the people? Let's pause for a second. Just, just so that we can insert ourselves into the story a little bit. Um, anybody ever have your father-in-law come up to you and say, what are you doing? My mother-in-law is like, yeah, you have. <laughs> um, yeah, has that ever it, that happened to anybody? It's, it sometimes can be an awkward experience, right? Where you're, you're doing something, you think you're doing it, you know, the best way that you know how and all that stuff, and then, you know, um, someone who may be a little intimidating to you comes and says, what are you doing? <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Like, that's, that's kind of how I imagine this. Is it, is it exactly that way? I, I don't know. I, I, think there's, I think there's plenty of mutual respect between um, Moses and Jethro. Uh, but, I do, but I do begin to... You know, I think it opens up the idea that, you know, Moses has experienced a lot. He, you know, all, Exodus 1 through 17, remember, we kind of recounted all of these really incredible things that Moses experienced, that God did through him, and that he saw with his own eyes these wild and crazy things that God had done. And so, and then, you know, Jethro wasn't, he wasn't there for any of it. But he's coming and asking, "Hey, what are you doing?" Like, you know, maybe maybe there's maybe there's a, a little bit of a little bit of tension there, or at least I can say that if I were in Moses' shoes, I would I would feel the tension. So let let's just think about it. The text doesn't say it, so we're we're not going to try to you know jam it in there. But I think it's something worth worth considering and thinking about. 
So he says, what is this you're doing for the people? Why are you alone sitting as judge while all the people stand around you from morning until evening? Verse 15 says, Moses replied to his father-in-law, well, because the people come to me to inquire of God. So whenever they have a dispute, it comes to me. And I make a decision between one man and another. I teach them God's statutes and laws. This is something, you know, that, I mean, I think that's a very sensible answer for Moses. He's, he's saying, well, they need help, and I'm the one to help them. You know, I've, I've been the one sort of talking to God through all this, all this stuff. God's been sending messages to his people through me. And so, you know, when they have disputes and things, and they need to know what God thinks about something, or, or they need to have a judgment from the Lord, they come and talk to me, and then I share it with them. Moses' father-in-law what you're doing is not good. Let that sit for just a second. What you're doing is not good. He's saying this is not this is not the way to do this. Now remember, we're not sure we're not sure if Jethro is um, a pagan or not. Most likely, he worships other gods. Um, we're not sure. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Um, we're not sure if he's. Um, what, you know, what his relationship with Moses is, it seems to be one of respect, them um, bowing before each other and those kinds of things. But, um, you know, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of a big statement. He's saying, what you're doing is not good. And in fact, it, it even, um, in some ways, uh, echoes all the way back to uh, Genesis 3 in the fall. Uh, whenever, um, it, when, whenever Eve is tempted, she, it says that she saw the fruit and saw that it was good for eating and for wisdom. She, she saw what was good in her own eyes. And so it, it's even echoing that saying, what you're doing, what, what you have come up with, is this isn't going to work. So verse 18 says, You will certainly wear out both yourself and these people who are with you because the task is too heavy for you. You can't do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you some advice, and God be with you. You be the one to represent the people before God and bring their cases to him. Instruct them about the statutes and laws and teach them the way to live and what they must do. So he, he's, he's saying, Moses, all this stuff that you're doing, this is right. This is what you should be doing. You, you need to do that. But you should select from all the commanders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. I mean, I'm sorry, skipped a line. But you should select from all the people, able men, God-fearing, trustworthy, and hating dishonest prophets. Place them over the people as commanders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They should judge the people at all times. Then they can bring you every major case, but judge every minor case themselves. In this way, you will lighten your load, and they will bear it with you. If you do this, and, and God so directs you, I love that little part, where he says, he, he leaves it open. He says, this still needs to be God's direction. I'm giving you advice, but, but God needs to be in this. This isn't something, don't just listen to me because I said it, Moses, but do it because this is God's direction. This is what the Lord has said to you. And so God so directs you, you will be able to endure, and all these people will be able to go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything that he said. So Moses chose able men from all Israel and made them leaders over the people as commanders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They judged the people at all times, and they would bring the hard cases to Moses, but they would judge every minor case themselves. Moses let his father-in-law go, 
and he journeyed to his own land. Isn't that wild? So we've got this um, potentially pagan um, father-in-law that shows up. And he, um, <clears throat> you know, here's all these things that God's done, but he wasn't a part of it all. And worships, responds in worship. But then as he's hanging out with the nation, he sees this thing that Moses is doing. He's going, that's not going to work. That's not going to be good. Remember, there's, there, there's about 600,000 men in the nation of Israel right now. There's a little bit more than 600,000 men. Um, so it's a lot of people. It's a lot of families for one guy to judge. And so he says, that's not going to work, Moses. You've got you to gotta do something different. And think about what this opens Moses up to do. If Moses, is, if, if Moses is doing all of this, when is he going to hear from the Lord to go to the mountain and go and get the law? Now, you know, if Moses decided to not listen to Jethro's advice, I'm pretty sure God would make a way, right? God, God's going to do what he's going to do for sure. But this opens up a way for Moses to be freed up to go um, and to have other leaders that he shares these burdens with. And those leaders are involved in all of that. When you read through 19 and chapter 19 and 20, they're, they're involved in that and invited to come uh, to the mountain to, to sanctify themselves and all those things. So this is all sort of setting, setting that stuff up. But the father-in-law comes and says, man, this isn't, this isn't going um, to work. You need to share the load. And you have things that you do, Moses, and you need to do those things. But you also need to share this other stuff that other people can do. Because you don't need to be figuring out whose goat is whose, right? You don't need to be figuring out, you know, this person went and um, is accusing someone of stealing something. and You can't do that, Moses. You've got, you've got other things that you have to do, so you need to do this. And the key is, Moses says, you're right. I need to do that. And he, he, hears, he hears the advice of his father-in-law um, and, and does it. Again, let me just say one more time. His father-in-law, who was not with him through all of these, through all of this incredible deliverance that um, God provided to the nation of Israel, his, he wasn't there. And so I, I, I believe that it could have been really tempting to go, hey, you haven't been with us. You're just coming over here bringing my wife and kids. Like, but he, but he didn't. He heard, he heard his father-in-law and did, and did what he said. And so it, it kind of leads me to sort of the main idea is that God uses all kinds of people, including those we least expect to do his work. God uses all kinds of people, including those we least expect to do his work. My challenge to you to consider also is, could it be that that person that you least expect for God to use is you? You yourself. I think it's really easy for us to kind of go, yeah, you know, God can use you. God can do incredible things through your life. You just need to let him. But then we sit back and go, oh, God, no, God, God can't do that. He, he can't, he doesn't want to use me. I'm, I'm too, got too much baggage. I'm too broken, too, too this, too that. I can't speak well. Kind of like Moses at the burning bush. He's literally talking to God in a burning bush. He's like, no, 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 no. I, can't. I know you want me to do it, but I, I can't. I, I, I don't, I can't speak very good, <laughs> you know, but we do that, right? Sometimes we are the one, we are the one that um, we, we least expect God to use. And so I think um, a challenge as we kind of move into application for us to think about is, um, is that, is that person that I might least expect God to use, is that me? And if it is, are there doors open 
that God's inviting me to be a part of his kingdom work that I'm just kind of hesitating to walk through because I think that he can't use me. It is, it's potential in this passage. Again, I don't want to sort of bury in things in here that, that aren't there, but it's potential in this passage that God used a pagan priest to bring wisdom that affected the entire nation of Israel. Okay, if he, if he can do that, surely, surely he can use me to reach my neighbor for Jesus, right? Surely he can do um, some incredible things through me um, in bringing his good news to, to the people around me. So um, I have kind of two, two sets of, of application that I think are, are worth saying. Then we want to we try to connect this with the good news of Jesus and, and with the person of Jesus. So kind of the first, the first side of application would be um, if you, maybe you identify sort of on the, the Jethro slash shared leadership side of things. So, so you, may, you may not expect that you, can, um, that you can be used by God, and I just want to challenge you and encourage you, you can be. In fact, whenever I was um, thinking through this, one of the things that I, I thought about, because, um, you know, Jethro rolls up to this nation that he hasn't really been a part of before, and he's like, I see something that shouldn't be here. Um, if you're new to this family, uh, to this Calvary family, um, you may see things that are like, hey, Pastor Matt, this is something that, that I think, we, I think we, we need to think about. Because it, he may not have had the chance to think about that yet. Maybe God brought you into this fellowship so that you can be, a, you can be the catalyst for um, an extension of ministry out of this church that hadn't ever been thought of before because you weren't here, right? So, so you're, I think sometimes a, a, an excuse that we have for not jumping in headfirst into the work that God has for us is like, oh, well, I'm new. I need to, you know, I need to kind of get my bearings. I need to, nah, J- jump in. Now, we, we do, we do need to be respectful of the leadership above us. Notice how Jethro brings all of this to Moses. He's not like, you idiot, come on, get your stuff together. You need to, you need to take care of this. No, he doesn't do that. But he does come in and he say, hey, I, I think what you're doing is unwise. Or I, th- I think there's an adjustment that could be made. And uh, this, is, this is something that I think will be, uh, will be good for you and the nation. But let God direct you. So, so, maybe, so maybe your, your newness is, is bringing uh, a sort of a new direction from the Lord that um, hasn't been heard before. Um, so it could, be, it could be that God wants to use you to, um, to, to start something new, but it could be that God wants to use you to uh, continue something that, um, that, that one of the leaders in the church needs to let go of and, or they need some help with. So... There's so many opportunities. I, I think um, now Scott and Matt can correct me if I'm if I'm misspeaking here, but I I think I would I would be willing to guess that there's many things that they would love to do and to get done that um, they're unable to uh, because they are two people. Is that is that fair? Uh, lots lots of ministry that could be done, um, but that with time and making sure that they are taking care of their families and they're being good husbands and fathers and they, they run out of time. But they could share that ministry with you. 
And you, and you could take that and run with it and do incredible things. So not only on, you know, bringing new things to the table, kind of like what Jethro did, but also just sharing in the ministry like the, like the leaders that were appointed that came and took some of these duties and helped uh, Moses get more ministry done and, and allowed him to really do what he is called to do in uh, bring, being sort of the voice of God to the nation. They were, they were able to come and do uh, some stuff that they were, they were good at and they were equipped for because even, Look at whenever um, Jethro tells him to, to find some men, he says, but you should select from all the people able men, God-fearing, trustworthy, and hating dishonest prophet. This, th- these weren't just nobodies. They, these weren't just people that they just like pulled names out of a hat. These were people that had already proven that they were, they were ready to do this. And so, so my challenge to you, if, if you kind of maybe identify with um, Jethro and the shared leaders in this is... is um, Get after it. Pray and ask the Lord, say, God, what do you want me to do? I know you want me to be a part of your kingdom work. What do you want me to do? And how should I do it? I'm um, 99.9% sure that uh, Matt and Scott would be completely and totally blessed if someone came to them and said, hey, I've got something that I want to do, but I don't know how to do it. I know the Lord is, is calling me to it, but I don't know how to do it. Can you help me? Like, yes, that, that is what we love to do. We love to empower you to do incredible things in the kingdom of God. Yes. So maybe, so maybe you um, see yourself as sort of the unexpected person um, that shows up, and, and you, you have something to bring to the table. You have something to bring to the kingdom of God. Um, sort of the other side of it is you could be on the Moses side of things. And you could be um, in leadership of something within this church or outside this church. This, I, I identify with Moses in this story. I am terrible. Terrible. You can ask Peter because he's constantly telling me to, to be better about it. Um, you can probably ask any teenager and they will, they will know too. But I'm terrible at giving away ministry. Um, I'm, I, you know, it's just, I don't know. I'm just a worker bee. That's like kind of my... my um, my, my happy place, and I love to serve. I love, love, love to serve. And so I'm terrible about giving away ministry. But the other, the other side of this narrative, the other side of this story is leader, give it away. Let, let people do things that they're good at. They, again, we, you know, we talked about these leaders. They're all, I mean, the, the people that took on some of the ministry for Moses, these are all people that were able, they were ready, they, were, they could do it. And so, and so if you're a leader of a ministry within this church, if you're a leader uh, of a ministry outside of this church, or you're just, trying to, you're just trying to reach your neighbor and you need some help, be open-handed with it. Let go and let someone help you. You know, I'm, I'm speaking this to myself too. But let, let people into the ministry that you feel like God has called you to do. Don't just, don't just take it all for yourself. Um, but allow allow God to work through others, and and what He's and what He's doing, and you, and invite others to be a part of the ministry. I think that's something that I've been trying to do that I haven't been very good at in the past. Is I just think about okay, uh, I've got to go do this thing. Who could I invite to come with me? Who could I invite to just kind of share to share the experience with? And who knows what kind of fire might be lit by the Spirit through that. And so, so I, I want to encourage you, if, you're, if you kind of feel you're on the, the Moses side of things, how can you be open-handed with the ministry that God's given you? 
uh, with the influence that God has given you so that you can allow other people to bring the influence of Christ and his spirit into those spheres, into those, those areas of life. So the last thing that um, I want to do is I, I want to connect this with the person of Jesus because um, really the starting place for all of this is uh, faith in him. Um, that's, the, that's the starting place of being a part of the, our entrance into the kingdom of God and into his work is through faith in Christ. But I've got to thinking about this, and because I was thinking about, you know, you always, us, us preacher types, we always, we always need to in, invite people to come to know Jesus. I mean, that's like not not preacher types. All of us should be doing that, right? All of us should be inviting people to come to know Christ, right? And so I'm thinking, okay, I need to do that. I need to fit that in here somewhere. And I got to thinking about, it, I was like, wait a minute. Think about Jesus. He's like the perfect combo of what we've been talking about. So he comes unexpectedly. The funny part is he's expected in all the scriptures, but he comes in unexpected ways, in humble ways, right? And he comes and he kind of, he, he breaks the mold. He breaks the Messiah mold. Everybody was expecting him to do certain things, and he comes and does other things. He comes and ministers to uh, people that the religious leaders didn't expect him to minister. He comes and touches unclean, leprous people. Um, he comes and um, is, is willing to talk to an adulterous woman. He is coming and uh, calling out religious leaders. He's really doing some unexpected things. And uh, then he also, unexpectedly to a lot of people, gives his life up. Allows himself to be arrested beaten, mocked, and crucified, purchasing us, giving us the ability to have entrance into his kingdom. And not only that, but then rises from the grave three days later, conquering death, showing that he really, he really can and does bring eternal life to those who will put their faith and trust in him. Eternal life isn't something that he's never experienced. <laughs> he gets it, and he proved it in the resurrection. He, he proved that he can, he can give that to us and grant us that, grant us a, a place in his kingdom and a place in, in his family. And so Jesus was this kind of unexpected um, um, savior that comes and um, but also, he's also in the Moses spot, too, because he invites every single person in this room to be a part of his kingdom. Could Jesus, sort of acknowledging power alone, could he just introduce himself to every human being on the face of the planet? Yeah, I think, I think, I think power-wise he could, but that's not his will. His will and desire, and this goes all the way back to why we were created in the first place, was to share in his rule and reign, to be a part of his kingdom, to be a part of his work. And so just like Moses shared in his responsibilities, and had a, Jesus does that for, with us. He sent his spirit to empower us. Like we, I was talking about with Scott earlier, you know, we, what we bring to the table is nothing but faithfulness. It's obedience. 
The power of the Spirit does all the other stuff. He does, he does the Spirit of the work, but we, we bring to the table faithfulness, and He does incredible things. But, like, how amazing is it that it's God's heart, it is His desire that we be a part of what He's doing on this earth, on this broken earth, that we, that we are a part of bringing life to deadly places, that we are a part of bringing light to darkness. It is his desire that we are a part of that. So Jesus is this, is this is, as he is with everything else, he is the fulfillment of that. He comes as uh, bringing salvation to us in ways that maybe weren't expected in this time, but he also comes inviting us, not just saying, hey, here's some fire insurance, don't want you to go to hell. No, he, he goes further than that. He invites you to be a part of a kingdom, to be a part of a family that does incredible work throughout this earth. And so the challenge is um, sort of twofold. I want to encourage you with is one, if you haven't, give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. He has proven over and over and over, at least to me, he's worthy of it. He is worthy of me evaluating my life every day and say, okay, Jesus, is there anything that I haven't given to you today? How do I need to do that? Do I fail miserably at that sometimes? Absolutely. But he's, it doesn't make him less worthy of it. So I want to encourage you, and, and if you haven't ever given your life to Jesus, give it to him. Submit your life to him. Accept his death and resurrection and be saved from... Hello. Be saved from sin. <laughs> it was like God really wanted you to remember that word, saved. Um, uh, be saved, be saved from sin, but also, but also be saved into a kingdom where we don't sit back and watch other people do the kingdom work. We participate. We're involved. We, we and we're, we're invited to be a part of what God is doing in Lahana, Colorado, Canyon Lake, Texas, Los Angeles, Colorado wherever he has us. Um, I tell these teenagers all the time, they're probably sick of me saying it, but um, a, a quote that I heard at the youth camp one time that I'll never forget is your mission field is the ground between your two feet. So wherever, you know, what, if, you're, if you're sitting there wondering, what would, what would God have me do? What, what mission field does he, you're, he, you're here, you're in it. You're in it right now. You're in the mission field. And then when you leave and you go home, and your house is in between your two feet, it's your mission field. Your neighbors, when you're in the grocery store, your mission field is in between your two feet. And God has invited you to be a part of his kingdom work in that space, in this space. And so be encouraged by that. A God who loves you enough to not only to, to save you so that you don't go to hell, but to save you into incredible, amazing work of bringing light to darkness and seeing God save people uh, from their sin. How awesome, right? Let me pray for you, and then we'll um, transition to communion. God, thank you for the opportunity um, to study your word. Thank you, Jesus, for being the fulfillment of this, for showing us just how clearly you have put all of this together. It's amazing to me over thousands of years 
slowly putting the, all these pieces together in your word. And all of it's connected. You fulfill every bit of it. God, thank you for being so amazing and incredible. And thank you for loving us enough to invite us to be a part of your work. Lord, as we remember um, what you have done for us on the cross, as we remember the victory of the resurrection, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to um, recognize that um, we need you. And Lord, that you want to do uh, incredible things in the life of this church, corporately and thus personally. I pray that you'd help us to have humble hearts that are submitted to you, willing to be faithful to whatever you ask us to do, even if it's bringing a Bible to sort of unsuspecting people. God, help us to be attentive to hear your voice, to know when you're speaking, and to have the courage to obey you in whatever you say. I love you. Praise in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks. We, uh, we come now to the time of the Lord's Supper.